I urge you to remember that God loved you enough to give His Son for you. That's not just a doctrine. It's a doctrine. And it's good to study that doctrine. But let it sink in. He gave Himself for you. I exhort you, live accordingly. That's just what Paul does in Ephesians. You know, he he spends three chapters uh, giving truth, and then he starts the fourth chapter with this same term. I urge you, I entreat you to walk, to live your lifestyle accordingly. Christ is called uh, our advocate. Remember over in 1 John? Interestingly enough, it's the noun form. The Holy Spirit is the helper, and Jesus Christ is our advocate with the Father. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue on our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, The Ministry of Encouragement. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. If you want to take your Bible and turn to Romans 12, it is, uh, it ought to be. Every time we open the Bible, it should be with expectation because we're opening the Word of the Lord. And uh, may it never be that we would open it without it changing our lives, without our hearts being opened to it. Uh, May it never be that we would be casual in the sense of just hearing it and not doing it. So uh, it's good. And, you know, it's, it's obvious. Uh, we want it to be part of our life. We have to open it all the time. And in one sense, we enjoy it, and we come to it with anticipation and familiarity, and that's good too. But, uh, oh, we're turning to God's Word now. And Romans 12, let me just give you some context. Verse 6, Since we have gifts that differ... According to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. As each one has received a special gift, that's how Peter put it. That's Paul's words there. But Peter said, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold, the multifaceted grace of God. Or uh, I read from Corinthians 12. There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. God has gifted you, Christian, not just with all the gifts of... uh, His grace, you know, all the blessings. Not just with the gift of salvation, and I wouldn't uh, in any way depreciate any of that when I say He has gifted you. He has equipped you. He has fit you for a particular role in the body of Christ. And last week we looked at verse 7, serving and teaching. There are servants we are all to serve, but there are those who are particularly gifted to serve. And there are teachers. We are all to teach. But there are those particularly gifted to open God's Word up and apply it to life. And this morning, verse 8, Or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who 
parakaleos, if I could use the verbal form, you know, in his, and then he changes to the noun, paraklesis. And I use that term only to kind of remind you because you've no doubt heard the Greek term for the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter, the parakletos. We're talking about exhortation. There's this gift of exhortation. He says, he who exhorts in his exhortation. And uh, our Lord, four times when he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm leaving. You, where I'm going, you can't come, he told his men. But four times he said, I'm going to give you another parakletos, another helper, another comforter. And the Holy Spirit is the comforter. He is the encourager. He is the one, the word literally means called alongside. He comes alongside us. He, he's called to come along and build us up and encourage us. And those who exhort come alongside and they comfort, they encourage, they urge on, they appeal, they entreat. All these terms are used, in fact, are translations of this Greek term. And you'll find them throughout the Scripture. In fact, it's a very common term. Verse 1 of our text, chapter 12, I urge you, therefore, brethren, that's this word, I encourage you, I entreat you, I appeal to you, I take God's truth and I apply it to your heart, Paul says. If teaching addresses the intellect primarily and the mind, and teaching systematizes God's truth, why the exhorter appeals to the heart. And they're close cousins. I mean, you can't separate them, really. But they are distinct. And uh, you don't have to have the gift of teaching to exhort, but if you're a teacher... You can, you should, in fact, really, biblically speaking, you must exhort. You can't separate these two. But that's not to say that we're all not called to exhort. We are. And in fact, I'll be emphasizing that, I think, probably on every gift in the list. And I think it's uh, something that we should emphasize. Because when uh, we come to a gift, you might say, well, I'm not a teacher. And you might kind of be tempted to just kind of listen in casually. No, we're all to teach. I'm not a gift. My gift isn't exhortation. Listen, we're all called to exhort. And before we're done just looking at just some of the scripture, I think we'll see that. And we want to be sure to understand it. Uh, look over at Timothy for just a second. First Timothy four. First Timothy four, verse 13. Paul said, until I come, and I think about this sometimes, you know, if the Apostle Paul were getting here next Thursday <laughs> or going to be here in December, and he wrote me a note and said, until I get there, Scott, I'd listen up. <laughs> you know, and that's what Timothy got. He's a young pastor and he got, and I'm a young, very young, no, <laughs> teasing. I don't put myself in the young category anymore, but you know what I'm saying? You get this until I come. Now listen up, Timothy, because Paul's going to get there, he thinks, and he says, until I get there, until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Pay attention to, give yourself to the public reading of Scripture. It seems to me that any time we gather, we ought to read the Scripture aloud. Public reading of Scripture, that's a good thing to do. 
I mean, you know, you gather in your home Bible study and you sense you're the leader and you're the shepherd and you say, I don't really, I'm not, I'm not a greatly gifted teacher. You can read the text. You say, I'm not a good reader. Have somebody else read it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. I take it from this, that when we gather, we worship the Lord, we sing praises, we encourage one another. There's all kinds of things that happen when we gather, but there ought to always be exhortation. In fact, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another, exhort, parakaleo, one another. And all the more, as you see the day, Drawing near, Hebrews 10.25. So don't miss church. Be there and encourage one another. Build one another up. He who exhorts, we're told, in his exhortation. Or while you're there in Timothy, just turn over to Titus, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, when he's giving the responsibilities of uh, the overseers. And he says, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, that he may be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. There you have in one sentence, really, the two aspects of why we're so uh, dependent on the teaching of God's word, why we need to teach one another and why we need teachers. They're to exhort, they're to encourage, they're to build up, in sound teaching, and there to rebuke and refute those who contradict. And Titus has a burden, uh, Paul does in Titus, and he does in the, all the pastoral epistles. Build the flock up in the Word of God, encourage them, and refute and deal with other doctrines, strange teachings, anything other than God's Word. And so you see both the positive and the negative there. And we want to emphasize today the positive side because that's what he says. He's talking about the gift of, he isn't talking about the gift of rebuking. <laughs> He's talking about the gift of exhorting, the gift of exhortation. And I'll tell you, it is central to what we do. Paul did a lot of it. I mean, it's interesting if you're still, you can go back to Romans and I mentioned verse one. When he gets to his first command, his first real exhortation, his first admonition, after 11 chapters of giving truth, the first thing he does is exhort. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. The issue in the Christian life, Paul exhorts. And it's kind of interesting. You can watch, you can just look at three of them with me here in Romans, and you'll see that he does it for the main issue, and he'll do it for the whole spectrum. Look over at chapter 15, verse uh, 30. Now I urge you, brethren, I exhort you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to agonizomai, to strive, to, to agonize, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Oh, let me encourage you. Let me exhort you. Let me urge you to pray. Paul does, and we should. Are you praying? Are you, could you say that you're agonizing in prayer? Paul says, agonize with me. I am. 
And he says, I urge you. And then look over across the page at the end of the book, verse 17 of chapter 16. Now I urge you, brethren... Keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you've learned, and turn away from them. For such men are slaves not of our Lord Christ, but of their own bellies, their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. I urge you, brethren, look out for the false ones. So you can think of the whole spectrum of the Christian life, and it's one big exhortation as far as Paul's concerned. He does a lot of exhorting. I started to count, and I gave up uh, how many times Paul says this term in the New Testament. But it's dozens and dozens of times that he verbalizes it. I urge you, I appeal to you, I entreat. And then he commands us to, and then the noun form, you'll find it repeatedly also. It is just central to what God is doing, and it's central to God's character. God is the God of all comfort. He is the God of all encouragement. I mean, what we're talking about here when we say exhort is to take God's truth and bring it home to bear. It's thinking from God's perspective, and then letting that change the way we live. So we would say, for instance, I urge you to remember that God loved you enough to give His Son for you. That's not just a doctrine. It's a doctrine. And it's good to study that doctrine. But let it sink in. He gave Himself for you. I exhort you, live accordingly. That's just what Paul does in Ephesians. You know, he, he spends three chapters uh, giving truth, and then he starts the fourth chapter with this same term. I urge you, I entreat you to walk, to live your lifestyle accordingly. Christ is called uh, our advocate. Remember over in 1 John? Interestingly enough, it's the noun form. The Holy Spirit is the helper, and Jesus Christ is our advocate with the Father. And he uses this term, the noun form of this term, to think in terms of calling both God the Son and God the Spirit. This is central to God's character. In fact, look over at 2 Corinthians. I'll show you chapter 1, 2 Corinthians 1, uh, a passage that kind of bowls me over, really. It uses the term so often, and it illustrates this truth that God is the God of all encouragement. And He encourages us so that we might encourage others. He comforts us that we might comfort others. Do you know God's comfort today? I mean, just think back what He's done for you. He's saved you. Oh, you know the comfort of God. Then comfort others. Has He brought you through some real thick times? then look for opportunities to help those who are in some deep times. Has He been your encouragement just through the mundane of daily life, facing the same old problems and the same old circumstances and seeing no relief out there? Have you found comfort from Him? Then comfort one another. And listen, ten times... Ten times in five verses. Just listen. It's almost hard to read. He uses the term so often. But look at verse 3, 2 Corinthians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies 
and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. And uh, Paul, you know, if you're familiar with that letter, he talked about his afflictions. He had been afflicted. He was depressed. He was discouraged. He'd been afflicted on every front. And he had found in every circumstance, even the deepest of depression, he says, I despaired even of life. He clung to the God of all comfort, and he found comfort. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. And he said, now I'm able to comfort others in similar afflictions. And when God brings you through tough times, it's not only that you rejoice in the comfort you find in him, but you become then a source of his comfort to others. And that's why he comforts you, that you might comfort others. Now, to appeal, uh, to urge, to exhort, there's one sense it's a strong term. And, in fact, it's translated in evangelism sometimes. We beg. We beg you. Be reconciled to God. You know, when you're gripped with the truth, I was telling Chris, and she was, and I forget who said it first this week when we were talking. Why is it that people will choose death over Christ? They'll choose boredom over Christ. They'll choose emptiness. They'll choose despair. They choose why? And it made both of us, and we were just sitting in the family room, there was nobody to exhort except each other. But it made us want to exhort, beg people. We beg you, be reconciled to God, Paul said. If you're here without Christ, let me just stop and say, why would you go to a Christless eternity when Christ is waiting for you and saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Come to me, you guilty ones. I'll give you forgiveness. Why would you turn him down? I appeal to you. So there's a strength to the term, but it seems it always has a corresponding softness because it is this word comfort. And the truth is always cushioned, you might say, when we exhort with this character of God that he is the comforter. So even as I appeal to you to come to Christ in evangelism, for instance, Peter said, be saved from this perverse generation in Acts 2. And the Bible says he exhorted them with that phrase. He encouraged them. Be saved. So there's a strength to it, but there's this comfort because if you'll come to him, there is comfort in him. There is always this soft side of it. You know, the best example, turn over to Acts 4. Acts 4. When I think of the gift of comfort or exhortation, he who exhorts in his exhortation, the best New Testament example, I think, is a man that was so characterized by it that he was uh, nicknamed by the apostles. The apostles called him son of encouragement. Son of comfort, son of consolation, son of 
exhortation. I mean, you talk about an exhorter, this was the son of exhortation, you know. His name, of course, we know as Barnabas, verse 36 of Acts 4. Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement. He was so characterized by this trait that though his name was Joseph, they called him Barnabas. Son of encouragement. The apostles called him that. And it's kind of interesting to watch it fleshed out because even as I said last time, to see this in life is, is helpful. To see it in someone's, you know, lifestyle, their character helps us see what the gift of exhortation looks like. And it's interesting to me to just kind of track it through. Turn over to Acts 9. Acts 9. When uh, Saul of Tarsus had been converted, you know, that was not something they took casually, the early Christians. They were fearful of Saul. He was a persecutor. He was on his way to Damascus to kill Christians, to drag them out of their homes. He had papers. And so they rightfully, it seems to me, they were fearful. Who is this guy? He says he's become a Christian now. Oh, yeah, I'll bet. It's just a way to find out who who we really are. And he'll come in and expose us and persecute us. So they were afraid to associate with him. And you remember he was uh, facing pressure right away. And uh, when many days had elapsed, verse 23, the Jews plotted together to do away with him too. He didn't have any friends because he'd become a Christian now and the Christians didn't trust him. Their plot became known to Saul. And as they were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death, but his disciples took him away by night and let him down through an opening in the wall and lowered him in a basket. And he came down to Jerusalem and he was trying to associate with the disciples at Jerusalem. And they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. I mean, that's understandable. But, look at verse 27. But, Barnabas, but the son of encouragement took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he'd talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of of the Lord. That's what an encourager is like. He came alongside Saul and we read, everybody else was afraid to, but he came alongside Saul and stood with him. He is an encourager. And by the way, since we're here, look down at verse 31. Uh, That whole time period, verse 31, the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, The Ministry of Encouragement, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're excited to announce that Downtown Bible Class will have a new name beginning in April. The program will be called Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Same Christ-centered teaching, same music, Same announcer, same times, and radio stations. Our new website will be AbideInTheWord.net. Our listeners will have the same access to listen, download, or connect via podcast. 
Why not head over to the new site and check it out? There'll be access there to the entire archive of messages from Pastor Scott, easily searchable and accessible for your use. Again, that's AbideInTheWord.net. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the Ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Whatever was written, verse 4, in earlier times was written for our instruction, for our teaching. The Bible was written for our teaching that through perseverance and the encouragement, there it is again, of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Did you know that that's why God wrote this book? It was written for our teaching that we might be encouraged. Now, the book itself doesn't do the encouraging. Read on, verse 5. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind. God is the one who gives us strength. He's the one who gives us perseverance. He's the one who encourages. He is the comforter. It is the Holy Spirit who encourages, but He uses the Word. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, The Ministry of Encouragement. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 